We're going to be um, starting a new section in this series on submission. keep thinking we're nearing to the end of this, but uh, there's more for us to do. We're going to be bouncing around a number of places in the, in the Bible. There we go. Everything had gone away. We're going to begin over in Matthew chapter 28. Very familiar scripture to you. There was a Department of Water Resources representative who stopped in Texas, France. He's talking to the old rancher. Told the rancher, said, I need to inspect your ranch for your water allocation. So the rancher said, well, that's okay, but don't go in that field over there. The um, inspector said, sir, I'm a representative of the government. I have this card that gives me authority to go wherever it is that I need. And you cannot tell me I cannot go onto any field. He says, all right. So he let him go and he was around checking out all the different things. And after a while, the farmer heard him cry out. He looked over into the field that he told him to stay out of, and there was his bull chasing him. So he ran after him, and he shouted out with the loudest voice that he could. He said, show him your card. <laughs> Start this off today, understanding this. Too many Christians fail to understand authority. It's our lack of understanding of authority that leaves our authority vulnerable. We have to understand where authority comes from, when it is to be used, how it is to be used. The place authority comes from is from someone in higher authority. And it is given to us. We have to know what that higher authority wants us to do because if we don't do what the higher authority wants us to do, what happens to the authority that we were given? It will either be reduced or removed, right? Same way it would be in the in the workplace. Start this off in your outline here. That God operates in authority. I put a definition of this for you. This comes right out of uh, right offline. The power to determine, educate, or otherwise settle issues or disputes, jurisdiction, the right to control, command, or determine. That's authority. I put it to you this way: commanding things that are to operate in a certain way, commanding things that they are to operate in a certain way. When God operates in authority, He says to things to do thing, do something. Because all things are under His authority. So anything that is, is under the authority of God. And anything that exists, responds to His authority. So He can tell anything that exists, what it should do, and it will do it based on authority. He just commands the elements, and the elements can become different things. He commands them to form. He commands them to become. This is what authority is able to do. God also operates in power. Power is the ability to do or act capa uh, capability of doing or accomplishing something. This is to create things from nothing or transcending the normal laws already in place. There are times that God operates outside of authority and it is power. When God operates in power, He tells things to form from nothing. The spirit of Adam was created from nothing. Hebrew has two different words for, cre for create. One to create out of something and another to create out of nothing. The spirit was created out of nothing. God formed it. God put it together. He can do that because of power. Authority calls things that already exist 
to form sometimes in a new, new way or to do something different. But power will come in place, not just when you need to create something out of nothing, but also when you need to transcend laws. When Jesus walked on the water, that was transcending the law. There was a law that said that he was heavier than the water. He should sink down inside of it. But he did not. There are some laws. Now, now maybe he operated by some laws we don't know yet. <laughs> that could well be. But power will go beyond those laws. When God resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, it said he utilized his power. It was the power of God that brought him back. Now, Satan expanded this because originally that's all there was. Authoritative power and uh, dunamis type power, power, uh, strength. But Satan expanded this to include, first off, usurped authority. When he came down to Adam and Eve, he took their authority. He's got a number of ways that he can do it, but he'll step in and he'll take that authority, which is why Jesus had to come born of a man, come down upon the earth to be a man and to win back that authority that Adam lost. So Satan expanded power and authority into usurped authority. Satan was one who operated in authority. God had authority and gave him authority. He operated in that until he stepped over the bounds and then that authority was taken back. So he came to man to get his authority. And Adam and Eve gave it to him. But it was usurped authority. So Satan expanded this to usurped authority and even deception. Adam and Eve gave, give us the best one of these cases here. He'll come in and he will deceive you. If he can deceive you in your area of authority to give up your authority or not use your authority, that's what he'll do. Now, authority is given from a higher authority. You cannot give authority from a lower authority. You have to have authority from a higher authority. Look at it this way. If you go in to someone else's house for Thanksgiving dinner, for Christmas dinner, it's not your house, it may not even be your family. But you go over to that house and they have young children there and you say to someone else unrelated to the children at the table, I give you authority to discipline that one. Can you do that? Well, no, you didn't have authority to begin with. That wasn't your place to be able to do it. So we don't have the authority to do it. But sometimes, even as Christians, we don't understand where authority is or what authority we have. And we sometimes bestow authority that we never had to give. Or someone who never had the authority gave it to us. So authority is given from a higher authority and one who has authority. You'll see this a lot of times when Jesus ever came down on the earth, to, when he was down here on the earth ministering, and there were people who were sick, he generally dealt with the person directly who was sick, or in other cases, he dealt with the parents. If it was of a child, he dealt with the parents on that. He always dealt in the area of authority. Now, Christians today don't operate this way. They think they can transcend it. How many times have you seen in a church service where somebody gets up and says, I want you to pray for my friend so-and-so? Mm -hmm. What authority do they have in that situation? Now, sometimes friend so-and-so couldn't make it to the service. And they authorize them, look, on your behalf, would you go and stand in my place that they can pray over you for me? Now, that person gave them direct authority. But sometimes we just want them to. Or we go up to the person and say, I'm going to a service tonight. How about if I let them pray over me for you? 
Well, okay, go ahead. Well, no authority was given, but that person will come into the service and say, my friend asked me to stand in proxy for her, for him, pray over me on their behalf. But no authority was given. See, it's our lack of understanding in the area of authority that causes us to have problems. We're asking for things we don't have the right to. We, we, we ask with good intentions. God wants everybody to be healed too. He wants everybody to be saved. doesn't mean that it happens. We have great, great intentions. But we have to understand, do I have authority? Sometimes we are taking authority when we should be seeking the power. Sometimes we're seeking the power when we should be seeking the authority. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, this is too complicated. I'll never get this down. That's not the case at all. It's simple. But we have listened to lies and lies have embedded in our, in our life that when we hear stuff like this, we get, oh, it's so confusing. It's not confusing. It's very clear whether authority or power is at work. Jesus always knew whether it was power that was needed or whether it was authority. Remember when the woman was healed with the issue of blood? What was used? Was it authority? No, because Jesus said himself, someone touched me and what? Power went out from me. But there are other times with demons, power didn't go out from him. He spoke to the demon and the demon left. He had authority over that demon. If we try and use power where authority belongs or try and use authority where power belongs, we understand why it doesn't work. Now, you, you look at the, the plug in your wall. You have plugs in your wall. That's, uh, uh, I, I get it sometimes mixed up. I think it's um, AC current, alternating current in the wall. And DC is in a battery. Is that how it, uh, direct current in a battery? Okay. Make sure I got it, <laughs> make sure I got it right. Well, um, you know, different things re- require different, different things like this. Now, this is a, not an application that you would use, but you'll probably have some other ones that you can, you can figure up. You've all been over to my house. You've seen there's a nice uh, big reef tank in, the, in there. On that reef tank, there is one particular pump. Actually, there's two particular pumps, but one I'm going to talk to you about. That, that does not operate on AC, but it plugs into the wall. It operates on DC. Now, there's a reason why, in the, and there's a lot of industries that will do this, but I'm just talking to the one that I know about. In this particular industry, uh, when you have this particular pump, the controller turns it up and turns it down continually all day long. It may be fast for 30 seconds and then slow it down for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, and it's constantly, it's not minutes that it's on a, on a phase, it's seconds that it's on a phase, and it creates a current similar to what's in the ocean, which is good for all the people that are inside. But in order to do that and not wear on the motor, AC, can't, AC is either on or off. But DC can have different levels of on. So what they do is they put a box that takes the AC current, converts it to DC so that this can operate effectively without wearing out. If you did an AC with an AC motor, it would wear out shortly. This one lasts for years. It already has. You have to know what is used there. So I did some study. I found out why you would want a DC pump and found out the advantages of it and why you'd want that converter because that converter has been a problem. One time it got ruined. It fell in the water. 
took it back up. The manufacturer wasn't too far from here. Took it back up to him and says, it's my fault. It fell in the water. It got wet. And they said, relax, we're going to take care of this for you. I was up there doing a bunk bed. Um, you go do your bunk bed. You come on back. We'll have it done. They did it in less money than they should have charged me. And they said, we also added this to your thing. We tweaked it for you. <laughs> we brought back something that was even better than what uh, I had taken up there to them. And it got all, all fixed. But that controller can still fall into the water. And if it falls into the water, it's, it's toast. And uh, it's not so good anymore. But if you simply understand what application do I want DC and what application do I want AC, then you have it down and you can keep on going. If you understand when do we need God's authoritative power and when do we need God's dunamis power, then we get the right thing for the right right place. And that's what we need to, to have going on. Sometimes, though, folks, we're taking authority over things because they just think, well, I just take authority over it. I, I don't know. I just take authority over that. Well, maybe you need the power of God. If something in your body needs to be recreated, that's not an authoritative issue. That's the power of God issue. You go through the Word of God and you find out different healings. Not all of them will jump out at you, but if you study them, you're going to find out that was power. That was authority. I see that in this case of healing, we can use authority. In this case of healing, we can use power. It, it just depends on what's going on. It's not always just authority. But how many times have you stood, stood there and you have taken authority over something? Don't raise your hand. You don't, don't need to see your hands. You've taken authority over something and haven't seen the results. Over and over and over and over. You're taking authority over this thing and you're just not seeing the results. You've got to understand what authority will do. Authority commands sickness and disease. Bacteria, stuff like that, that's an organism. Authority commands that thing to go, to die, to cease, things like that. But if what you are suffering is not from a sickness or a disease, authority may not be what you need. And it may be the power of God. Now, you can tap into the power of God. You can also have a, a, a minister uh, tap into the power of God and lay hands on you and Power flow through and power take care of that thing. But you've got to know which one it is. If you don't know, ask God. God, do I need power? Do I need authority? After a while, you get it down. This is an authoritative thing. If it's an authoritative thing, you really don't need anyone to help you get healed. Sometimes, though, people did have people help them in the Word of God. There were times that Jesus stepped in for authority. There are other times he stepped in with power but needed the authority of the person in charge. When he brought that little girl back to life, he needed the authority of the parent to step in for the power of God to go from him to her. Can you see that one? But Satan will come in and what he'll do is he will whisper things. He will put thoughts into our head to get us to think wrong in this area because all he has to do is get us confused and go after power when we should have gone after authority. Go after authority when we should have gone after power. It doesn't work. It discourages our faith. And the next time that we need to do something, we're not as certain. We're not as sure about it. And we back off. And we just try it. Well, I'll give it a try again. I don't know if it'll work, but I'll give it a shot. Hopefully this time. And you'll hear this in the language of a lot of Christians. Well, I hope so. I've been praying about it. You ever heard a Christian say that? Certainly not you. <laughs> Other people, right? 
Well, I've been praying. To, I hope, I'm hoping for this thing to go away. Or this one. You know, we, we changed the word hope to believe. I'm believing this thing will go away. Right? We've got to be careful of this because sometimes that, that terminology has just masked the fact that we are confused and don't know what's going on. We're hanging on to something hoping to, to get somewhere. Now, in Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, this is after his resurrection, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority? Oh, does that mean anything is lacking? I know we've gone over this before, but I looked up the word all in the Greek. You know what it means? It means all. Everything. All authority has been what? Authority, folks, in the kingdom of God is always given. Authority in the kingdom of God is never usurped. It's never forced. Authority in the word of God is always given. It is given by a higher authority. Do you have any doubt? We know all three are one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you have any doubt that the Son sees the Father as superior? From the words of Jesus. No, he'll say we are one, but he's the, he's the Father. I do what he says to do. I say what he says. Who resurrected Jesus from the dead? The Father. The Father. Now, once you get into heaven, you get in the book of Revelation, guess what you see in there? Jesus says, everybody's standing around waiting for something to happen. The, the, the seals are there. Who's worthy? Was the Father worthy? No. Was the Holy Spirit worthy? No. Jesus was the one that was worthy. Why was Jesus worthy? Because he came down to earth, lived as a man, died without sin, and was raised from the dead. So even though God is superior, Jesus was the one that was worthy because of what he went through, because of what he was willing to go through. Anyway, that's just a side note. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth. Is there any place left? Not that, we, not that we care about. Right? Do we care about authority on Mars? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now you say, well, what about hell? Where do you think hell is? Hell is in the heart of the earth. He has authority over that too. Not Satan. Satan has no authority in hell. He does not reside in hell. It's not his base of operation. He's not there. He will never be in hell. He will be in the bottomless pit and he will be in the lake of fire. But that's it. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now he says all authority is given to him, but you're supposed to go. Go therefore and make disciples. Go therefore means what? Since all authority has been given to me, you guys go. He is empowering you. He is giving you authority. Because He is now the higher authority and He's given it to you. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is an authoritative issue. When you go out and witness to people, folks, 
Don't mistake it as a power issue. It's an authoritative issue. You operate in the authority that God has given you. Now, the power of God can be at work too for healings, miracles, and things like that, but this is, he's talking about the authority right here. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are authoritative things. He said, because all authority has been given to me, go. So that's all you need. You have been authorized by the Son who was empowered by the Father. And He authorized you to go. Jesus also said in another passage, in my name. These are the things you're going to do in my name. In my name you will cast out demons. In my name you will command this sickness and disease. In my name. But we've got to understand authority or power. Which one is it? Which is it that we, that we need? Because if we take authority in a place where authority doesn't operate, we're going to fail. There was a um, uh, case that I'm, I'm, I'm working through even right now. There was an injury I sustained in my leg and uh, just a, a particular muscle. It is a very odd muscle. It's a muscle I'd never had trouble with in my life. And then all of a sudden one day, it was a problem to the point I couldn't lift it. It was a real, real, real big problem. And uh, we're going around. This is uh, sometime over the summer. And it hindered me in a lot of different things. Now, even, t- even today, you know, I've got it to where I'm, I'm walking okay and I'm doing all the different things. They're okay. But, you know, we're, we haven't figured out what is it that I got to do to completely get this thing gone. To, you know, I, I go out and I run and the first one, two miles are generally in extreme pain. But after I get through the first couple of miles, it usually lessens so that it's not so, so bad. So we were out at a, at a spot and I, I talked to a, a person and they had the same inju- injury and they told me some things. And you see, if, if I approach this as an authoritative thing, well, I'm going to take authority over this. Well, what am I taking authority of? Is there sickness and disease involved? There's no sickness, it's not sickness and disease. It's not a demonic thing. What it is, and they were, they were telling me about it, it says, you know, what kind of things can you do to, to fix this? And so they were, they were saying, well, they didn't put it exactly like this, but I'm, I'm putting it in the terminology. They said it's a power issue. He said the, the muscles around that area have gotten weak and it put more strain on that particular one, and so it failed. So what you have to do is strengthen all the muscles that are around it. So I've been on it for a couple of weeks now, a uh, number of weeks anyway, actually, of doing these exercises to try and strengthen all the muscles that are around. Now, they hurt. They're not fun exercises to do. They, uh, they hurt a good bit. You know, I try and get someplace where I'm by myself and no one's bothering me because I'm not always quiet. <laughs> it hurts a little bit trying to, to lift these things, but you know, they're, they're, they're muscles that aren't normally worked. I don't have to do any kind of weights or anything like that. I'm just, uh, just doing uh, different movements. It takes me about 30, 40 minutes. Now, I haven't quite got it to I'm doing it seven days a week, but I am getting at least about five days of the weekend. Missed this morning. Sometimes I get to come over here and, and hit that, but uh, I didn't get that this morning. But we'll get it later on. And we're doing these things, why? To try and increase the, the power. But you see, I could sit there and waste my time and say, I take authority over this. It's not an authoritative issue. Now, the power of God can come in and, and, and you know, heal the thing up too. That's, a, that's another thing that can go. But in the, in the meantime, he gives us wisdom on what to do. So this is what we're, 
we're doing in this particular area to, to overcome that. Listen to the wisdom of God. But are you trying to take authority where power is needed? Or are you trying to seek the power of God where authority is needed? Listen to your language. Listen to the things that you say. Now, Matthew 25, verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. One place calls him a, 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 a I forget what the term, nobleman or but who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five talents, and likewise he who received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me Two talents, look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things that will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're not spending all the deep, not trying to get all the details of the story, just looking at for this. Here's a man, he had some things, he gave them to others so that they could do something with them while he was gone. One uh, time that he tells this parable, he, he says um, that a man went to a far country to receive a kingdom. He had a kingdom, but he went to a far country to receive a kingdom, and then he was coming back. That's what our master is doing. He's, he's gone away. He's going to receive the kingdom that he's going to bring down in here. But right now, we're here doing business in the meantime. So one had five and produced five. One had two and produced two. One had one and produced nothing. Just brought back the, the one that he had. He's happy with the first two, not so happy with the last one. So when he gave five talents, does he not also give authority to do with those talents as they saw fit. So what was in question here was not the authority of each one, but the authority that each one acted in. The one who had five acted in total authority of the five talents and gained five more. The one who had two acted in total authority of the two talents and gained two more. The one who had one acted like he had no authority over it, that it was still under the authority of the master and did nothing with it. And the master was not happy with that one. Now, if God has given things to us in the area of authority, and we do nothing with it, do we differ from the one who got one? We need to do something with the, with the things that we have. We have authority over the things that God has put in our hand. 
But first off, you've got to take ownership of what it is that God has given you. Then you've got to realize, I have authority with this thing. What am I going to do with it? Has God given us the name of Jesus? Yeah. What are you doing with it? Do you know how to use the name of Jesus? Do you use the name of Jesus on a regular basis? Do you, knew, do you use the name of Jesus properly? Or you just throw it out there? What are we doing with the things that God has given us? With the talents and abilities that God has given us? What are we doing with those? With the... Whatever it is we see that God has given... What am I doing with what God has done with me? And do I see myself as having authority over it? If you have a boss and they have given you a particular area of the company to work in, you are not to come to that boss every time you have a question or a problem. You are in that role because they trust your judgment to do something when a problem or a situation comes up. Isn't that right? So what are you going to do about it? You, you, you can't take care of all, all that sort of stuff. Each one of you has different things. Chelsea talks to us about the, the classroom she has. What would happen? We, we, we know from her testimony before that they were giving her some problems, right? Getting better, she says, but they were giving her some problems. What would happen if every time a child acted up in her class, she called the principal? I'm having problems with this particular class. Can you come down here and deal with it? Well, he might think at first, well, this must be really bad. And he might come on down and help her deal with it. When he finds out it was a minor problem, he might be thinking, why weren't you taking care of this yourself? Right? When, when he probably think that? And if you do it on a couple of bases, what's probably going to happen down the road? Well, look, we'll find somebody else who can deal with that situation. Who can, who can take care of that. Because it's not something he wants to be done. But when God has put authority into, into our hands, a lot of times we keep running to God. God, take care of this. God, take care of this. God, do this. God, take care of this. When he has given you authority over it. We're going to come to a story where we'll see that here in just a little bit. But once authority has been given, we can, four things that I came up with for this. Once authority has been given to you, there are four things. First off, you can use it. Right? That's the best option right there. Use it. Authority has been given. You can use it. Here's the second one. You can abuse it. You can abuse it. Generally, you're going to find that you are in an abusive situation when you substitute power where authority was supposed to be. You can abuse it. Uh, You can misuse it. When we use authority where power was supposed to have been, we are misusing it. When we use power where authority, we tend to abuse what should have been authority. Because you come in with might, you come in with strength, and you don't need to do that. If a police officer pulls you over just because he wants to have a conversation, <laughs> now he probably pulls you over for something. If he pulls you over and he comes over, you know, you ran a stop sign. If he comes over, draws his gun, takes an aggressive stand against you, holding the gun at you and says, Driver, get out of the car. And you, you, what in the world's going on here? So you get out of the car, put your hands on the vehicle. And as you're going to put your hands on the vehicle, he comes up with a, with a hand, he throws you up against the car, checks you out, makes sure you're not carrying a weapon. What, were your, what are you thinking? Why, why are you using power? All you had to do was say, get out of the car, and I would have gotten out of the car. Right? All you had to do was use authority. See, you get abusive when you use power in the area where authority should have been. You misuse it when you use authority where power should have been. 
You mean you're using the tool in the wrong place. That's not a that's not a good thing to be doing. Don't misuse tools. They uh, they generally don't work so well when you try and do it at all. I'll try and do what they're supposed to do later on. So use it, abuse it, misuse it. Here's the last one. Not use it. Just let it sit there. God has given you authority and you'll be like the guy who had the one talent. Just bury it in the ground, not use it at all. So once authority has been given, we have those four choices. We can use it, abuse it, misuse it, or not use it. Once we learn that God has entrusted certain authority to us, what happens if we don't use it? What happens if we misuse it? What happens if we abuse it? Well, God's taking note of this and I can't give you more authority. I can't give you more talents. I can't give you more ability if you can't handle what you've got. In Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read a part of this to you. Verse 17, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams in the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And you know the rest of the story. He, he cast out that, that demon. And disciples come to him later on in chapter and say, how come we couldn't cast him out? They knew to cast out. They knew to operate in the area of authority, but it wasn't working for them. And he says, because, remember the, remember the phrase he said? Because of your unbelief because of your unbelief the reason they could not cast it out was because of their unbelief and then he goes on and discusses some things with them and he ends with this this kind comes out only by and the teaching has come out that there's prayer and fasting demons out there that you have to pray and fast before the demon will come out if that is the case when did Jesus pray and fast Now, if you remember, the Pharisees made an accusation against him. Why is it you and your disciples do not fast? The disciples of John did. And Jesus answered, remember what he said to them? When the bridegroom is present, they don't fast. When the bridegroom is gone, they will fast. So he attested to the fact that we're not fasting. But the demon came out with Jesus, right? So the demon coming out has nothing to do with prayer and fasting. Because he answered the question. What was the question? Why could we not cast them out? Jesus' answer was, because of your unbelief. Flip on down the few verses. Pull that up just so you can see it. On there. I just want to make sure everybody knows that it's actually in there. We're not making it up. Because of your unbelief. So the problem is never cited as the prayer and fasting. The problem is only cited as Unbelief. Now look at, before you, we got that up there? Hang on to that for just a minute. Verse 19. O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? What did he call them? Faithless. So if you are in doubt, are you in faith? So once again, here's a second spot where he looks at the problem as being faith or doubt. It's the same problem. So this kind comes out only by Prayer and fasting. There's some doubt that's so deeply inside of you, you don't even know you're operating in it. And prayer and fasting will help bring that out. Not the demon. The prayer and fasting. Because the only thing that's ever cited as a problem for them not casting it out is 
prayer and fasting. But do you get the idea from Jesus' response that he expected them to cast this, this thing out? At their stage of development right there, he expected them to cast it out. They could not, so he stepped in and did it. O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. God is expecting us to handle some things in our life and we're not handling them yet. We haven't done them yet. And we can't move on to the next level until we start handling the things that are in front of us. What kind of things are we not taking authority over? Now, here's what most people will teach you, or maybe you haven't been taught, but we think this because the enemy wants to try and put this in. One of the things he will try and do is to usurp your authority and he'll use deception to do it. He wants to get you out of using that authority. How many of you think holiness has something to do with authority? How many times has the devil ever hit you up with, you can't take authority over that, you are a sinner. You let God down. You didn't pray enough. You didn't study the Word enough. You're not this. You're not that. And yet, there's not a single time when Jesus was dealing with the parable of the talents, the parable of the minus, or in this particular case, as well as others, that he ever points to their sin. He points to their doubt or their faithlessness, not their sin. Don't let the enemy tell you that you have to be perfect in the area of sanctification before you can walk in authority. Because how many know Peter was not perfect in his sanctification, but he walked in authority. John was not perfect in sanctification, but he walked in authority. Now think of it this way. He sent out the twelve. How many of the twelve came back and uh, said that, uh, wow, even the demons are subject to us? How many of the twelve came back and said that? All of them. Would that not include Judas? Isn't it interesting that Judas would have gone out with the twelve, cast out demons, healed people, and came back and later on betrayed the son? Doesn't that just amaze you? See, our religious thinking says, well, God should have not used him, knowing what he was. And that same kind of thinking stops us from receiving from other people that we think are, have a problem. Sin, stuff, stuff like that. No, it's your doubt and your faith. Now, take care of the sin issues. Glory to God. He said, I write these things to you back in First John, that that you do not sin. Now go over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to begin reading 1 Corinthians this week in the uh, Bible reading. How many folks read your, your chapter every day? All right. If you're not, it's too, not too late, just start where we're at right now. We're in 1 Corinthians on Monday. Chapter 1. New list are back there on the table. They're in your bulletin. They're on the, on the web. Get to reading. It, it will help you out. But chapter 4, verse 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of the ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. 
Now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with the rod, with a rod, or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Now let me summarize this to you, what he's saying. He's saying, you've got a whole lot of people out there that will teach you the word of God, but I am your, Darth Vader line, I am your father. That's probably where they got it from. I am your father. You don't have many fathers. I'm, I'm your father. You guys are not even in this world in the kingdom of God if I'm not there. Now, Paul could say that about a lot of folks. If you were reading your chapter a day, you read the last part of Romans. And in Romans, Paul discusses why he went to the places that he went to. You know why Paul chose a place? Because no one else had gone there. And unless God told him not to go, he went there. He had no interest in going places where other people had already gone. He wanted to go to places where there was no one who took the gospel and that's where he's going to go. And when he went in, he, he took beatings. He took all kinds of stuff. He, he went into these places and brought them the gospel. He sowed into them. But when he left, he had authority with these guys. Corinth is one of these cities that he had a church in and that he started. And in 1 Corinthians, when you were reading this, Keep this in mind. Paul is dealing with a whole lot of problems. A bunch of them. As you go on through here, look at how you're going to be reading the first five chapters this week. As you begin to read, think of it this way. Can you imagine Paul, in this day and age, treating problems the way he's treating them here? He's very, uh, very succinct. Very, uh, you will do this. Uh, change this. Take care of this. But he does it because he has authority in there. Now, here's the thing. In the world, people will usurp authority. People will, will, will have authority over you. You go, to, you go to a job. You work in the job. You got a boss. How many of you have ever been in a job and you did not like your boss? Didn't trust your boss? Thought your boss is out to get you? Whatever it might be. There's a wall between you and your boss. But he was your boss. So when you went in there and he spoke to you, he may have treated you harshly, may have spoke to you harshly, but you took it because you needed the job or whatever it was going to be. But it was different. And, and, and there are some things that if they push too far, you just say, you know what? I don't need this job. I'm out of here. And you would go. But Paul speaks very harshly at times to, to people because he comes in and he sows into them. If you were going to have authority in the body of Christ, you must first sow into them. There is no authority where there is no sowing. Now look at it this way. God is our, our best example. When God has authority over us because He sowed something. What did He sow? He sowed His Son. So a lot of other things too, but His Son was the things that will jump out the most. When Jesus has authority over the body of Christ because He sowed, right? Before we ever loved Him, He loved us. He came to this world. He was beaten. He was uh, abused. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He sowed into us first. And that's what you have to do in the kingdom of God. Jesus even taught the world lords it over those. But it's not going to be like that with you. If you want to become the greatest, you must become the servant of all. In other words, you need to sow into some people. If you want to have authority in the body of Christ, you need to sow into people. Don't look for people to hand you authority. 
look to sow in the areas where you got. What can you sow? What can you do? And sow those things into, into people. Where do we leave off at? We, have, we did all, all the way through 21. So he even says here at the end, shall I come to you with a rod? Or in the love and the spirit of gentleness? So when he comes and he corrects, generally he corrects in, in gentleness. If you're not responding to that, he comes out there with a rod after that. But he first comes in there with, with gentleness and, uh, and to see how they, how they go. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? This is one of the problems he deals with. He said, someone told me some things about you, and I'm kind of shocked that this is going on. Why are there divisions among you? There shouldn't be any divisions among you. He's got a specific problem he's going to get into in chapter 5. He's got questions they wrote to him about in chapter 7. He says, now concerning the things you wrote to me about, and he begins to answer them on these things, and he's dealing with problems. But he has authority in the church of Corinth because he sowed into them. In Galatians, we all know this one, he starts right out after he gets, hey, how you doing? All that sort of nice greeting things. He goes right into verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And he goes on from there and just keeps ripping them. But he has authority with the folks in Galatia because he sowed into them. He was beaten. He was uh, abused to get that church started. But he got that church started. He bears, as he put it, I bear the marks on my back for the church. Philemon. Now this is an individual. He writes to Philemon. He has a, a, one of Philemon's slaves had run off. I guess Philemon got a little too harsh with him and he ran off. And he found Paul and he became very beneficial to Paul. And as they're talking about it, he says, I know Philemon. I want you to do this. You're, you're born again now. You need to do what's right. And you need to go back to your, your master. And I'm going to write you a letter. And he says this, I appeal to you for my son on Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Verse 11, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. This guy was such a benefit, he says, I'd rather keep him because he's really ministering to me. You can't, you're over there. I ought to just take this from you is what he's saying. <laughs> but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. In other words, I'm not usurping your authority that you have in this area. Whatever, you know, we don't like slavery. We don't like the fact that people can buy other people. But it was done in that day and age and he's operating in the, inside that. He says, and he, he really puts, the, puts it to him here. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him, receive him as you would me. He says, I'm, I'm watching you. <laughs> I'm going to see how you treat him. I want you to treat him the same way you would treat me if I came in town. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I'll take care of it. Put it on my account. If he owes you anything, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. 
Now he's only emphasizing this because a lot of times there's a person who writes it for him and he's saying, I'm writing this letter to you. This is coming from me, no one else. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Now, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self. We don't want to go down that road. You know, I don't want to remind you of the fact that you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. But if we, you know, if we have to, I can pull that out. <laughs> you ever had people who did this kind of stuff? Yeah. You know, you got the, the, the movies and the mother, 20 hours! <laughs> right? Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord, refreshed in my heart, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Now, I read all this for this part. Paul is basically responsible for this guy being in the kingdom of God. This guy would be a heathen. This guy would be out on his own. He wouldn't know Jesus and he wouldn't have a future as bright as he has. And Paul says, you owe me your very life. Now, despite that, despite that I have authority in your life as an apostle, I'm not using that. I'm not usurping anything. This is your area. And I am asking you, in this area which you have authority, will you be kind and do what you see fit? Treat him at least as, I, as you would treat me. Perhaps even give him his freedom and send him back to me. But he says, hey, I'm putting that in your hands. You, you can do as you, as you want to. See, Paul, even though he had authority, didn't usurp authority. If people are around trying to usurp authority, don't let them do it. Now, when we were going to school, Brother Hagin used to teach us about this. I never saw this happen. I only heard about it happening because he would tell us about it. But he would sometimes get somebody who was called an apostle. And they would come into his church and they say, well, I'm an apostle. You need to submit to me. Now, they hadn't put anything into the church. They hadn't done anything in, in that area. And he, he didn't fall for it. He, he, he kept on going. But some people will try and do that. Well, the same way people will try and come along in your life and use the things of God and say, I'm a mature believer, I'm a prophet, I'm whatever it is that they're going to say, and therefore you need to do this because I have authority in your life. But you see, true authority in the body of Christ means, first off, that person in authority sows into your life. And then you yield things to them because of the things that they've sown, because they've shown you how much they love you, how much, they, how much trust there is. Those are the kind of things that would, that would go on. Paul had sowed into him a good deal. But he still didn't use that area of ministry. Be careful that you don't just usurp authority. Be careful on that. There are, there, there are things we need to understand in the area of authority, even in the area of marriage. When you get into the area of, of marriage, the Word of God says a man leaves his father and mother. They leave that authority. A woman leaves the authority of the father and mother. And the two make a new authority. And so they have new things that, that go on in, in that. I have authority over my son and daughter while they were children. When they became adults, I don't have that same authority anymore. And I can't act like it. They have authority on their own life. And I need to back off and let them begin to take some of those things. Now, I might be my, my uh, daughter's father. But she's her daughter's mother. Nikolai is the daughter's father. Those two have a higher authority over her life than I do. Even though 
my authority was over her to begin with. So you have to understand authority and, and where it is. Once authority is given, the person who gives it should not be over there taking it back all the time. We've talked about this uh, some time ago, but there are certain areas of the, of the church and we've delegated those other areas of authority. You know, one of the areas that we, we do is the opening of the service is Ethel's ministry. Well, there was one Sunday that I needed to take that time frame back. I didn't just go up to Ethel and say, Ethel, I need that time frame. You're down today. I went over to her, contacted her ahead of time, says, Ethel, would you mind if I took the opening part of the service? This was years ago, it was a while ago. Would you mind if I took the opening part of the service? And she was like, well, yeah, you go ahead and do whatever you want to do. She says, no, I need to ask you that. You need to relinquish that because I gave that authority to you. I need you to uh, give that back. Naz has his heart authority in the area of the, of the offering. We gave that to him. Before him, it was uh, Jeff. And before Jeff, I think, was it Malcolm? And we've had different ones over the... And Dave Zimmer was in there as, as well. Um, we've had different ones that have been in that area. But once they have that area of authority then they begin to take it over. And they, they begin to do some things. They don't have to clear everything with me that they're, they're going to do. We give them the guidelines of what we're, we're trying to do, what we, we accomplish in there. And, um, and they step out from that. But I don't come in there and, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. That's, that's not giving that authority over. So the same way, God gives us authority in our lives, in things that we're supposed to do, we need to understand what am I supposed to do in that area of authority. I've got to go to the Word of God. What's the Word of God tell me to do? What's the Word of God give me as guidelines? And I need to operate in, into those areas. Find out what I'm supposed to do. How am I supposed to deal with the heathen? How am I supposed to deal with the sick? What am I supposed to do in these areas? I'm supposed to learn what He said to do and then go out there and do it. That's what He's looking to, for us to do. Operate in that area of authority. Now, I put in your outline here, we have choices. One, we can take authority. I can take authority over a situation. I can walk in, see authority is needed, and I can take authority. I can neglect authority. Or we can sow where we, where we are for the purpose of gaining authority. Now, sometimes I'm not in a position to be able to just take authority. I need to come in, I need to sow. Some folks say, I want more authority in the body of Christ. Do more sewing. Do more sewing. Find more people to sew into. Well, I don't have anybody I can sew into. Well, that's not true. You just don't like the people that you have. We all have people we can sew into. We may not like them. We may not think that they're worthwhile. We may think, well, God, give me somebody better. <laughs> uh-uh. No. So who are the people that are around you that, that can depend on you? Who are the people around that you can sew into? Sew into them. Put into them. And as you do, others will say, wow, look, this person has been under this and look at how they've grown. Look at what they did. I- I'm going to do that too. And other people will, will come along. But you have choices. What are you going to do? So we're going to begin to look at these things in the area of authority. How do I know when to take authority? How do I know when uh, power is needed? How do I recognize that? We're going to look at some situations in the Word of God where different things were in play. Sometimes we'll see that both were in play. It just depends on what's, what's going on. But we need to get a handle on it because if I'm going to operate in authority, I've got to know what is going, what's going on with it. The um, centurion, remember his words? I too am a man under authority. 
And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. But you understand, in order to have authority, you have to be under authority. Many Christians are not under God's authority. They're in God's house. They sing God's songs. They study God's word. But they are not under his authority. There's a big difference between being a Christian, being in a church, and being under the authority of God. So we're going to spend some time looking at that. How do I know if I am under the authority of God? It does not mean that you are perfect. You can be under the authority of God and still have some sin problems. It's all right. God will deal with you. God will get you over those things. You'll, you'll get better. You're, you're, you're constantly improving. But you can still get there. We need to be under His authority. Paul was under the authority of God. Because of that, he, he had some great things that went on in his life. So we're going to spend a few weeks just on this. I'm not sure uh, exactly what we're going to do on, on it next week, but um, we'll, we'll come, to, come to grips with that. Next week, we're looking to, to have some new faces come in after the uh, concert and some of the families that are, that are coming in, and we'll uh, determine what it is we're going to be, be doing with that. But would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you that all authority was given to Jesus. All authority was given to Him. He gave us His name to use, but all authority was given to Him. Everything that is alive, everything that is created, everything that has substance is under His authority. And when we use that name, that same authority carries along with us. But we need to learn more about it. That we can operate in the authority of God. Not trying to talk things into obeying. But understanding what authority is. And standing in that place. Father, I thank you that you help us to understand. To get a handle on what your word says. That we can grow in the area of authority. And not just keep wallowing around in the areas where we have been. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have some praise reports. Okay. They're coming at me from all directions today. Praise God. Give me a minute. I'm not sure yet. All right, I'll see if I can read these together here. Um, Nick says, I praise God because... Um, he overcame this world not for himself but for me I thank you for your love and your faithfulness we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony but we have won our battles before we can even speak it and when we testify our victory through Jesus we just confirm to the world that the power within me is greater willing and able and I thank God for that Um, he did all this for me amen you know and I just uh, well, I'll get to that. Can you take that bottom one? Thank you. And that one. Because this is the attached. <laughs> Marguerite has one. She says, I thank God for using my husband to keep me from falling for an IRS telephone scam. Did you get that as well? Let me just, I'm going to warn everybody about this scam. If anybody gets a phone call that says you owe the IRS any amount of money and that you need to deposit money into an account right now, hang up. Hang up. 
because that um, they have been scamming people left and right with this thing. Um, but you know, my qu- my question about that is why hasn't the FBI done something about it? Because those phones are linked to a person. They're linked to somebody, you know. I actually got a phone call like that, and I called an attorney, and I asked him, I said, what's up with this? And he said, it's just a scam, you know. I said, yeah, but what do we do? He says, call the FBI, talk to them, tell them, give them the phone number. So, amen, just realize it's a scam. Um, Nas says, thank God for the new job. Hallelujah, your first week under your belt. First week there and seeing and allowing his favor to explode in and around me. Great things are to come. Praise the Lord. All right. Ethel says, my left knee is completely healed. Uh, not sure what happened to it, but I was not going to uh, put up with it. So I began to speak to it and remind it that because I am in covenant with God, I have his power over anything that is not from or of him. Sounds like the lesson we learned today. <laughs> Corey says, after figuring out the financials, I was able to start a new program that should prove beneficial to starting a career in the entertainment industry. Praise God. Dreams coming to be. Daryl says, uh, my car broke down this week at a location where I got, uh, I could get help, um, get the repairs that I needed without having to be towed or having t- to wait for a spot to become available with the mechanic. How many of you know that can be frustrating? <laughs> you have to wait and wait, but praise God. Now, this is a long one, but I am going to read it because I want you to see the, the you've probably experienced this yourself, but to see the, the progression of how um, God worked in this. Anyway, as, as some of you remember, this is from Nikolai. I was laid off from my job in New York a few months ago. Since then, God has shown me through this time how much he loves us through the many things he's done for me and my family. Um, in the state of Pennsylvania, where when you are laid off, you are not given any extra health care unless it's through COBRA, which is very expensive. However, God provided for our family. Um, Lissy was approaching her two-year doctor appointment, and we were not going to have health coverage for that. However, I made a few phone calls to the HR department of my company, and they not only granted me an extra full month of health care, um, which would not, which would cover not only Belissima but also me and Allie. And on top of that, they gave me an extra two weeks' pay. Praise God! Says so now my full-time job was to find a full-time job. Um, during this time, I fasted, I read, and prayed for God to show me this way. <clears throat> if I acknowledged Him through all of this and leaned not on my own understanding, He would direct my path. Um, and I heard the Spirit of God tell me, "Don't take the first job offered." He, he questioned himself then and said, did I pray right? At this point, I wanted the first job that came my way. But I knew instantly that this word was from God and that I needed to obey and listen. Um, he landed an interview with J&J. Um, he said, my first thought was, why did this have to be my first interview? Because that was the top company he wanted to work for. <coughs> he, did get, he did get the job. Um, a couple days later, I received an offer letter from, from them. At this point, the spirit was tugging at me not to accept the position because something better was in store. I willingly obeyed and continued to trust in God that his will would be done in my life. So he declined that offer. A few days later, he had a phone screen with a, a small Japanese company located in Fort Washington. The project manager position that I was going for did not meet several important requirements that I was looking for. That same evening, I showed up early for practice. My phone alerted me that I had an email and that same company, it was from that same company. The hiring manager contacted me and wanted me to come in for an in-person interview. 
for the senior project manager role instead of the project manager position. <coughs> um, before the interview, Alyssa and I sat down and we prayed and reviewed the piece of paper that we wrote our listing requirements on and um, that we wanted for the next job. After the interview, I knew that this was the place that I wanted to be. During the interview with the vice president, I had a tug in my spirit that this was going to be it. This was my job. A couple days later, I received another call from J&J for a project manager position. So there's where the fight comes in. Um, he had a, a an in-person interview. He says, while on the interview, I felt very uneasy. Um, he said, the director was nice and very well-versed in the pharmaceutical field, but something just didn't sit right within me. His spirit was not convinced. Soon after, I received yet another offer letter from the Japanese company. I had a phone discussion with the hiring manager. Um, can you help me? Take the top page off, please. That one. Um, and that one went very well since they were very impressed. You're taking two. <laughs> very impressed and wanted me to take the path in the company that would lead to an executive position in a short amount of time. During the call, I was told that I would start out with three weeks of vacation, one week of personal time, 13 holidays, and $50 a month toward my phone. Sounds like some good benefits. Now I knew why God did not want me to take the first offer from J&J. I would have missed this blessing that God had in store for me. A few days later, I received another offer from a second J&J interview. They're just going back and forth, back and forth. Um, so I kind of declined that one and obeyed and understood where God wanted me to be. I thank God for this experience. Not only that I was blessed with many interviews and offers, but I was able to make up some time lost that I missed with my family. Um, I got to see Lissy grow, learn, and become a fun-loving two-year-old. Um, thank you for my church for praying for me. God has blessed me even more than what I had listed on my jobs. I begin my new job right after the new year. I'm counting my blessings, and they continue to pour in over our family. Allie, during this time, also has been blessed with watching four children in our home, and um, she's landed yet another last-minute wedding at a premier hotel in Philadelphia. So God, you know, and that's, I had this word before um, we sat down uh, during worship, and I wanted, I wanted to share it then, and I thought, well, I'll just wait and see if it fits later on. And when you got up to start talking about authority and power, what the Lord kept telling, talking to me about was the cooperation of the Holy Spirit and how vital it is. And even in, in Nikolai, in, in waiting for that to come, to come about, you know, it's so easy for our flesh to say, the money's there, the opportunity's there, yep, that's the one for me. But when you sit back and you listen, say, Holy Spirit, you know all things. You know what's down the road tomorrow. I could take that job today paying me the money that I want, getting the benefits that I want, and in two months it's going to close. I have no understanding of that, but you do. The cooperation of the Holy Spirit is so vital to receive and walk in the power and authority that he's given to us and to know when to use power or when to use authority. And even in the name of Jesus, that's what we were going to study this past Tuesday at prayer school, was there's so many times when we just spurt out, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this. In the name of Jesus. And there's nothing that happens. Why is that? <laughs> there's no power behind it. There's no power behind it. If there were, somebody made this comment one time and it just stuck with me. And that's what really started me to, to study about the name of Jesus. If there was power just in the name of Jesus, all these heathen would be walking around <laughs> in a mighty power, wouldn't they? If that's all it was. So there's a missing element to 
quoting and, and speaking the name of Jesus in a particular situation, and that is the cooperation of the Holy Ghost in it. You've got to know the Holy Ghost. You've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. You've got to worship in the Holy Ghost. And the word that the Lord gave me for this morning was, if we want power, if we want to walk in the power that he has promised. He said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And all these supernatural manifestations are going to happen through his church. But there's a prerequisite to that. He said he's going to pour it out on us. But we have to be open and ready to receive it. And willing then to take the next step, which is to use it. Which is what you talked about today. You can have power come at you. But if you're not willing to use it, or if your motives are to misuse it or abuse it, God's not going to give it to you. Just like with the talents, he's going to give you according to your ability, according to what you're able to do. So the Lord was saying this morning to us that there's much he wants to pour out into us. There's much he wants to pour out into us individually. And what we have to do is be willing to receive it and then be willing to go out and use it. Because that's what's going to win the lost. You know, when, we look at the, when, the, when you look at the gifts, and I, I went ahead <laughs> this past week. I'm already done Corinthians, and I'm on to the second Corinthians. But when you look at the gifts, each, the gifts are given to profit with all. Now, you said something this morning that hit, a, hit something in here on me. If God was not pleased with the third servant who hid his talent, how pleased is he with us? who have been given a gift to profit with all, and we're not ministering in that gift. There are so many that I talk to anymore who don't even know their gift. They don't know that they have a gift. I would encourage you, spend time with the Holy Spirit. Seek out your gift and start ministering it because people need it. Amen? Amen. And... If I know that that's something God's going to judge me on, I'm going to be ready. I want to be saying, hey, Lord, I operated in your gift. I listened to the Holy Spirit. When he told me to speak that word of wisdom, I was ready. Speak that word of knowledge, I was ready. Lay hands on that person and see, see signs come and wonders come, and I was ready. So that's his, his word for us today, is to just be willing to receive, be willing to be used, and be open. Amen? Any other praise reports? All right. Wednesday night, we're going to be going on. We're going to be looking at the ministry of Jehu. He was anointed to be king. We're going to see him do some things. And it's going to seem like he stepped out of the realm which God had anointed him to do. We're going to see why that was and why he did not step out of that realm. Why he actually stayed within it. And as if you were here on last Wednesday, we're going to see a very dark period of history in which when the gospel recounts this, it completely omits it. Totally blocks it out. And we'll, we'll be taking, I'm not sure we're going to get into all that on, on this one, but uh, we will on the, the ones five. Now, this is the last Wednesday night service for the year because we're, we're seeing a lot of people are having other things going on. Uh, attendance usually in November and December gets uh, pretty, pretty tough. So we're going to have this one. And then the week before Christmas, we won't have any because usually people are getting things going for the family and things like that. So you have that. The week of Christmas, we have Christmas Eve service. And the week of New Year's, we have a New Year's Eve service. Mm-hmm. I am not responsible for that. Yeah, if you're interested in New Year's Eve, I I don't like New Year's Eve. I just uh, I just never 
It didn't mean a whole lot to me. But if you all want to get together and do something, you know, I'll come along. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's going on for there. Then after that, in January, we'll pick up on the uh, the Wednesday night services. We'll have them them going on. But that's what's going on for, for this Wednesday. Friday night, be in prayer for it. We should have this place filled up just with the families that are coming out with the kids. Uh, 13 families, over 30 kids, or right at 30? 32 children all together, 13 moms and dads are going to be coming out here. One set of them is still set to come out on the Sunday morning because they can't make it out on the Friday. And you all have been very instrumental in helping us out to, to uh, have presents for these kids. We want to look into, we're looking into some things to do to help keep these folks coming out for the next couple of weeks, get them in the habit of, of coming out to church. So you'll see some of those things that we're doing, but it's mostly just for the, the new folks coming on in because we want them to come out for three or four weeks in a, in a row and to uh, bring their kids and to, uh, bring themselves and to be able to change their, their life, not just to impact them for a Christmas. We wanted to be able to go beyond that and have that go on. So be in prayer about it. Um, if you want to help out on something Friday, Friday, see my daughter. She'll uh, put you, plug you into a spot right after service because they have a practice going on uh, today. That's why we're not doing the covered dish dinner today. So uh, see her right away and she'll plug you into whatever it is that's, uh, that is going on. And uh, I think... That is everything. When we pick up this series again, probably next week, but sometime, there is one thing in particular you guys are going to, going to want to see about this. When you fully understand this thing about authority, you understand your role with God. How many have ever heard people accuse the faith movement of telling God what to do? You will see this area defined by the Word. You're going to see Jesus do what we're going to show you the Word of God teaches us to do. It is not telling God what to do. It is operating within the sphere of your authority. But the devil has sold that lie onto the church. So a lot of times we aren't operating in this sphere. We aren't getting done what needs to be done because we don't know what it is and we're afraid we might be stepping over our bounds. So this is one of the things we'll be getting into. Uh, could be next week, could be the week after that. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out. But that's one of the things. It's a real important thing to learn. Jesus does what we're telling you to do. Not only him, so does Elijah. So does Elisha. So does Moses. They all operate in this principle that we'll show you, that will uh, come out from the, the Word of God, all in the area of authority. So, let's all stand up. Father God, we're going out into this world. We are your lights. I thank you that you help us to be lights. I thank you that you help us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, each of these days, Father, to be your light, to find people that we can minister to. We don't have to just preach to them, Father. We can love them. We can do whatever it is that you show us needs to be done. For we are your servants here to do and work in your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.